Welcome back to the What's Your One More podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Harris, and we're back for episode 98. Again, the march is on for 100. Super stoked about that. So what I want to do in this episode, we just kind of talked a little bit about Jerome Powell, and we talked about the commentary, things he says, the way they sway the market. And there was one thing in that commentary that I talked about in particular, which was the dot map, the the, the dot plot map. And I think one of the things that uh, we do is we just kind of talk about things and maybe not break it down and explain what that is. But I want to take this episode to explain what what is the Fed's dot plot map? What does that even mean? And kind of take a moment to explain the emphasis the market has on it and maybe why they shouldn't, um, but why they do. So why was the dot plot map created? And I think this is important because it really didn't come about till 2012. And, you know, I, I might, I think the date even says uh, late 2012. And one of the things to look out is that you know, coming out of 2008, 9, 10, 11, we were in financial duress. I mean, we had a stock market that was trying to recover from the great financial depression that took place during that time. And we had a real estate market that was just starting to recover. And we had interest rates that were starting to, you know, get down and, and, and help the financial market, excuse me, help the, the housing market as well. But there wasn't a lot of foreshadowing as to what the Federal Reserve's policy was. And I guess you could use the word shock, like shock in the system there that that, uh, you know, and in my previous episode, I talked about, you know, when the Federal Reserve used to talk, you almost had to have like a decoder to understand some of the the, the policies that they were looking to put into place, uh, you know, because there was no smoke signals, there was no showing of the hands to anyone of what was going on. And so this was actually created in 2012 at a time which the economy was, like I said, recovering from the Great Recession. And when interest rates, you know, they were still near zero. We had that ZERP policy kind of starting and, and taking place during that time, but it, it was a for it was described as a form of aggressive forward guidance in explaining and foreshadowing policies that Chairman Ben Bernanke had put in place during that time. And I think the tool was recognized at how powerful that communication could be because when you're when you're trying to guide the economic activity from growing, that was important during that time. And, you know, and I think that if the Fed had properly foreshadowed some rates and plans, you know, the financial markets could probably price in some of the things that are happening. You hear us talk about that all the time. That hey, listen, you know, what's a quarter hike? The market's already priced it in. That's that financial foreshadowing. So knowing that they could do that on a six-week basis or even on a quarterly basis, uh, if they're doing that for FOMC meetings, they would say, listen, let's go ahead and do this for the dot plot map as well. But again, you know, it's it. It was created as a point of foreshadowing to help. And I think some of the things that we've seen is that more emphasis has been put on it than necessarily the foreshadowing itself. So the, the dot plot is a chart that's updated quarterly. You get four projections a year. So the Federal Reserve, you know, the, the Open Markets Committee, the FOMC meets every six weeks. So they don't do a dot plot for every single meeting, you get one a quarter. And typically in that third and fourth quarter, they'll give you a little further projection than normal. Typically you get a two-year projection, but you know, sometime between September and December, you're going to get one for a third year projection in there. And that's what this one was. And so uh, as we get into it, you know, we'll talk about what was in there, but essentially each dot on this plot map, and if you want to see the plot map, it's in our YouTube video. Uh, we're going to have it also in our notes there. You can find that at What's Your One More on our YouTube channel. If you'll subscribe, you can check it out. But you'll see on there that each dot represents one Fed official. Like, for example, Jerome Powell is one of the Fed officials, and, you know, and then the New York Fed president, John Williams, is another one. The list goes on. There's 19 Fed officials. Now, this is all anonymous, so you never know exactly who's voting what and where and putting their plots on there. But I want you to think of it just like this. There's going to be a three-year history on this chart as I pull it up on here, and you're going to see the years bracketed at the bottom from 2023 to 2026, and then you see this longer run on here. And they don't always put that on there, but in this case, they did. Like, if the outlook for the economy is 
is so poor in the longer run, they don't even put it on there. And that's what happened in 2020, right? There's high level of uncertainty, so they didn't put it on there. But this just goes to show you that they feel like, you know, they can, they can show you a longer run view, which is why you're seeing it in there. But as we take a look at it, on the right axis over here, you see basically the Fed funds rate from 7% all the way to zero. There's a range on there. And then you see these dots that correlate where each person thinks the Fed funds rate either A, should be, or is going to be at this point in time um, during that year. And so when they're highly concentrated, um, almost like at a, at a target range or on a, or on a dart, or dartboard, when the concentration is really tight, that means you have some sort of uh, really good you know, idea that all voting members are on the same page, right? Uh, and then you have 19 people that also, you know, that, that feel like, hey, listen, this is this is where we think the rates are going to be. And so in 2023, as we get towards the end, it should be concentrated, right? We've only got two more meetings after this. You know, they should know exactly where they're going to be. And I think this kind of goes towards the quarter raise that Powell talked about and that no one should really be surprised or worried about that. There's one more left in the year. And that's exactly what you see on the map here. And then as we get into 2024, you start to see these dots really become less concentrated. You know, they're not scattered per se, but you've got ranges all the way from, you know, four and a quarter all the way up to six and a quarter. And so you kind of have this range of, of where people think the rates are going to be. Now that's all for 2024. The Fed funds rate, you got members going, hey, listen, we think it could be from four and a quarter to six and a quarter, which means you have a difference of opinion, right? You have people that think maybe, maybe we don't need to have, you know, this credit tightening cycle so much and maybe we should loosen it up. Now what you'll find is there's only one person out of the 19 that thinks that should be at six and a quarter quarter going into 2024. So the rest are all, you know, five, seven, five or below. And quite frankly, the majority of them lie in that range of five to five and a quarter. Well, I guess you could say really four, seven, five to five and a quarter. That's where your concentration is. So you can even make an argument that maybe between, you know, five and five and a quarter is where we'll live for that year. But that's kind of um, a little different, I think, than what the markets were anticipating. It's a little different than even what someone like myself is anticipating and other economists are anticipating because quite frankly, um, there's this there's this notion that the Federal Reserve is going to have to let off the gas a little bit here um, because it's going to start to stifle the the economy and that something's going to break in the financial system. Something is going to break. We we saw it start to break in the regional banking system earlier in March. Um, there's notions that this could have impacts in many different industries, the equity market. I mean, the list goes on and on. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. And the team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family and I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender, and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com. www.boemortgage.com. Because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. I think if you're the Federal Reserve, you're saying, hey, listen, we really haven't seen the softening of the labor market yet. Um, and that's really one of the signs that we're looking for here. We keep talking about that over again. We haven't seen it. So I think that's why you have a concentration of so many members saying, we think it's right here. And then as you get into 2025, it 
becomes extremely scattered. I mean, so your t- your top points at five seven five, you got one member at five seven five, one at five and a half, you know, one at five and a quarter, one at five, one at four seven five, and then the bulk, the concentration of the other nineteen members is at four and a quarter, all the way down to three point three seven five. Now that's important, or I guess you could say three and a quarter. Excuse me all the way to three and a quarter, because that's important from that four and a quarter, three and a quarter range. That's where the majority of those 19 members believe, you know, that the year will be as far as the Fed funds rate. That's kind of what people were anticipating to see in 2024, not necessarily 2025. And so I think the markets looked at this and said, "Ugh, that's, man, we're going to have continued, you know, for the majority think that it's still going to be where it is now and a little bit lower, maybe a little bit higher, but not much more. I don't think the markets were anticipating that. So we saw uh, on, you know, Fed, Fed, the, excuse me, the plot map came out on Wednesday. We saw overreaction on Wednesday and then we saw it on Thursday as well. It just wasn't received very well because again, the idea of higher Fed funds rate, and even if they maintain the level, it's higher than what we've seen over the course of the last 12 years. It's still tightening of the credit markets and that's not good for employers and it's not good for the labor market and it's not good for the equity market. So it's not good for for housing either, right? So, I mean, it goes into a lot of things that it's not great for. And then as we get into 2026, you're starting to see it really drop down, the bulk of it really drop down between really that three and a quarter and two and a quarter range. Now, and the longer outlook kind of matches that same notion with the bulk of it between two and a quarter and two, uh, seven, five. So kind of living in that, that, that lower range. And that's encouraging as we move down the road uh, into 25 and later, but it's that 2024 and that people were, you know, and, and, Wall Street and the bond markets were like, ugh, this isn't great. Uh, This isn't really what we wanted to see. However, one thing I wanted to point out, 67% of the time, this map's wrong. It's not correct. And I think that's interesting because for it to get that kind of emphasis going into, you know, the, the remainder of Wednesday and going into Thursday... The, the damn thing's wrong 67% of the time. And I guess I shouldn't use the word wrong because I guess there is no right or wrong here, right? This is just more or less like a predictive element of what, you know, thoughts are as the, as the year goes on. It doesn't mean anything's wrong, but it's not, it doesn't remain accurately as it's depicted today as time goes on. And so to put that kind of weight into it seems a little silly um, from a standpoint of, of, oh my gosh, things could get, you know, things could be what, this map says it's going to be. So anyhow, um, and I don't, I don't think the 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 average consumer even looks at these or even knows what they are. But a lot of you know economists and a lot of people on Wall Street and a lot of people in the bond markets they look at this stuff. And uh, so it's interesting to see kind of how that how that uh, you know carries some sort of weight in the market when traditionally, like I said, it doesn't doesn't hold true. And so uh, one of the things that uh, that I take a look on this is that. Um, when these are released, right? If you may, when these are released, they get a lot of uh, they get a lot of uh, flair. They get a lot of commentary when they don't match the public's basically court of opinion. When when it doesn't when, when they don't look like what the court of opinion thought they were going to be, it's kind of like oh boo, this is wrong, or oh my gosh, this isn't right. You know, because rarely, rarely is it in favor of what people want it to be? It's kind of like, you know, uh, when you when you sit around and talk about, like, oh man, am I kind of win the lottery? What happens if I win the lottery? You, you, you know, you don't really win the lottery all the time. So to think that you're going to have a predictive rate of what the Fed funds rate is going to be on their dot map is, is along the same lines. I mean, probably an extreme example, but you get the point here. Wishful thinking doesn't always come out to what the actual, you know, uh, outcome is itself there. So I want to take a minute to explain that dot map. You get four of them a year. You hear it talked about quite a bit. It's published now in publications. We have more intel. We have more 
in-depth, behind-the-scenes knowledge of what the Federal Reserve is doing now than we've ever had before. I mean, we talk about inflation all the time, way more than we ever have before. And I kind of want to take some of these things that we know and we use, and quite frankly, I mean, up until probably 2020. I discounted the the dot map. I didn't really care what it said. It didn't mean anything, but now it's garnered so much attention and it's in the news a lot. I mean, we we do have a lot of people asking us what that means and sometimes the you know, it's just it's all bulked together. You have, you know, individuals going, "Oh yeah, I heard by 2025 the rates are going to be, you know, the Fed funds rates going to be at 3 and a quarter." And it's like, "Well, well, where are you getting that from?" And and now I understand, you know, having followed this for some time where people are kind of pulling that out of thin air and throwing it at you and it just kind of can be um it can kind of be misconstrued if not explained thoroughly. So that's why I wanted to take this podcast to kind of go through that, explain what the Fed dot plot map is, and uh, kind of fill you in on that as we talk about that four times a year and as it, as it comes out there. So if you guys like what you're hearing on here, please five-star review this podcast. Please share it. If you would, go to Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, and then check us out on our socials at What's Your One More with the number one at What's Your One More with the number one. And uh, stay tuned for that 100th episode. We got a really special guest that shows up on this one. Um, I I can't say enough cool things about that. It's a a once-in-a-lifetime interview that we got to do. And uh, from what I understand, it's the only one he's ever done. And uh, it was this gentleman's last time in the United States. So very excited to share that with you guys. And uh, we'll be back on the next episode of What's Your One More. I got one more shot, I'm going to make it. One more chance, I'm going to take it. Man, and when I said it, now it's time for me to do it I got one life to live, so I put all into it, yeah